Welcome to Bookish Impulses Podcast, where we discuss books, important topics, and worldviews. I'm Kenny. And I'm Justonia. Let's have some fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bookish Impulses Podcast. Um, to, today's topic will be a little more serious than normal. A um, little bit. Yeah. So, just to make sure that you guys get all the information... Um, we will be having some show notes on our website, bookishimpulses.com. You just go to the podcast tab, and it should come up there with our episode four. Episode four. Wow, four. That's surprising. <laughs> <laughs> and like she said, it should come up with it. <laughs> we'll get on that yeah. ASAP. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not... Yeah, it it will be there. I'll make sure of it. There you go. You know? Yes, I'll make sure of it. We'll have websites, um, links to any sources that we used, and the list of books that we mentioned in this podcast. Okay, so just go on there and look for any information you need. So, with our country pretty much in the middle of something that's in a nutshell, messed up. The world has pretty much turned its back on a specific group of people, and there's just nothing right about that. No, there isn't. Um, so we decided that we were going to um, pretty much spread some some information about the culture of Muslims and, you know, the nation of Islam and you know, just to help people understand a little bit more about the people instead of about what a few nut jobs did. Yeah, because not everyone is the same. Like, it's it's ridiculous that we're trying to clump everyone, you know, everyone who's a Muslim in the same category. That is definitely not right, because not everyone is the same. Just like we've heard, we fear, we humans fear what we do not understand. That's a, that's a statement right there. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's true. I mean, if we don't understand it, we're not going to be able to be tolerant about it. We're not going to be able to, you know, see their viewpoint and see, you know, what changed or what, what makes some of these people be hateful and do what they do. I'm not saying it's right because, you know any violence towards any people is is wrong but you know understanding and not clumping everyone together that's what we're trying to get to and that's why we decided to talk about it and with this we're also going to be you know suggesting some books that will help you will help the reader understand more about these people the culture the religion because everyone deserves to, you know, be heard. At least you need to, you know, we need to hear about them. We need to know and understand before we go judging. Yeah, we just have to give the effort to understand. You know, even if we could never fully understand because we're not Muslim, we're, we're not, you know, we're not Middle Eastern, most of us, um, in America. So... It's hard to understand exactly what they go through and what their what their history is, but we can always understand a little bit more. Exactly. I mean, you're not going to become a scholar on 
Islam by, you know, reading this, but Right, you need people to teach for that. <laughs> but, you know, at least you you'll get a glimpse of what what it means to be a Muslim, to be, you know, a follower of the Islamic religion. And to live in those countries. I mean, you know, which you, which you just may learn is not such a bad thing. Exactly. Like, well, we don't know. We don't live there. So, you know, we the best thing we can do is, is learn or listen to other people who know what it is to be in that setting. Yep. And I think that anybody would agree that, well, anybody, you know, with a little bit of common sense would agree, <laughs> <laughs> would agree that... Um, Religious or not, like whether you're religious or not, if you don't understand um, something that happens or you don't understand people, you're either going to you're either going to judge them as good or you're going to judge them as evil. And if we don't make the effort to understand their culture, there's always going to be a 50 percent chance that we think they're evil. And that's pretty much how our country looked during the entire election process. Yes. And even now, once we're done with the elections, <laughs> we need understanding. We need to understand. Because not everyone is the same. Like, we have bad people here in the States. Very bad people. Yeah. And they're not just one race. They're not just from one religion. They're all across the board. Yes, they are. We even know a few of them. Yeah. I know one very personally. and <laughs> It's scary. Like, yes, it you know, you can't just judge people and say, oh, I know the next person who's going to do murder people is just going to be, you know, just this one certain kind of person. No, we don't know. Like, there's all kinds of evil individuals out there. To start us off talking about this topic, I think we first have to look at what Islam and what Muslim actually means like we can't dive into the subject you know blind to what they actually mean because nobody wants to do that when they're doing like real research you don't want to just jump into something with your preconceived notions intact you want to go in with an open mind and understand it from what the definition actually is so that's what we start with today yes so Islam according to um, people of the Islamic faith means to surrender or submit basically to God. And Islam comes from the word salam, which means peace. And I know people have heard like Aleka Salam or something like that. Malaika Salam. And it's something that the people of Islam say to each other when they greet or when they depart from one another. And, um, the religious text of the word, it basically means the surrendering of one's will without compulsion to the true will of God in an effort to achieve peace. There's nothing extreme or terroristy about the word Islam. <laughs> no, there isn't. And the word Muslim, to an actual Muslim, means anyone or anything that surrenders itself to the true will of God. So basically, it's... About the same thing is what Islam means. If we look at our, you know, dictionaries, we will see that the word Muslim means a follower of the religion of Islam. 
and Islam means the religion of Muslims, a monotheistic faith as revealed through Muhammad as a prophet of Allah. There is a bit of history <laughs> um, pertaining to Islam um, with Muhammad because he was a controversial figure, first of all, in history. Um, there were there was a lot of good that came from him, but there was also a little bit of bad, which it was heavy bad, but it was a little bit of bad. And um, people started to discredit the things that he was saying he was saying about the teaching of Islam. But what a lot of people don't understand is, and I mean the people that are Christian, that the, the thing they don't understand is that Muhammad was basically preaching the same thing as Christianity. But they discredited him because he had these um, offenses against him. I won't go into that, but it was a legal thing. And it all came down to to just basically Christian people not understanding what he was teaching and they didn't even try to understand it and now they kind of hear the word Muhammad as in the prophet and they think oh he's terrible but he wasn't all bad and a lot of people what they don't understand is that a lot of um, Muslim beliefs uh, Islamic beliefs and prophets are the same as you know the ones we see in the Bible the Christian Bible yeah and see, here's the thing that a lot of people that are non-Muslims don't understand about Muhammad. A lot of people think that Muhammad is basically the Jesus of Islam, when he really was not at all. In Islamic faith, Muslims actually believe in Jesus. Muhammad was a prophet that came way later after Jesus, so he's not their Jesus yeah, that's true, and it was a common misconception even back, you know, in the earlier times of Christianity. Um, what many do not know is that the hate between Muslims and Christians started with the Crusades. The Crusades started in 1095. During this time, Pope Urban II called for wars against Muslims in the Holy Land. He believed that Muslims were a threat to the Christian belief. What he did not realize was that Islam had many of the same beliefs and prophets as Christianity. He spread the word that it was not a sin to kill non-Christian believers. He told the warriors that as long as they went to war in the Holy Land, all of their sins would be pardoned. It would be a ticket to heaven. With these unreasonable excuses, they barged into Muslim villages and cities and committed a mass massacre. They killed innocent, unarmed people because of what they called their holy wars. Yeah. Holy. Exactly. This obviously seeded hate into the surviving Muslims for the Christians, and then and they went to wars as well. They had their holy wars too, like the jihad, that's what they called it. Sadly, this has been a revolving cycle until this day, and this was definitely not the end of the Crusades. It was just the beginning. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that... Well, they did call it jihad, like their 
you know, their holy war crusade, crusade thing. Mm-hmm. They called it jihad, but I read somewhere that jihad actually means something else. I believe so. Um, you know, but the crusades, the Christian crusades, like, went on and on. Like, it that was just the first crusade they it was just they had. Well. Yeah. And it's just... I mean, it was a mass massacre. They killed innocent, unarmed people. Like, they weren't even expecting it. They just marched in there. I just found it. Mm-hmm. Jihad actually means to struggle or to strive. So it's basically them coming through, you know, what they had been put through already. Yeah. I mean, there, it was just a response to, you know, the the mass massacre that occurred. The quote-unquote holy war that was waged upon them already, right? Yes. It was terrible. It's just not cool. And for the Pope to even, like, say, oh, it's not a sin to kill people who don't believe in Christianity. <laughs> like, th- that was... So, after giving you a little bit of backstory on um, Islam and Muslims and, you know, just a little bit about the struggle that they've gone through, um, now we're going to go into the books that we found that will help... You know, not only us, you know, and you who's listening, but if you if you find something good about them, you find a gem, you can spread the word. And that way, you know, understanding may be spread through this country of ours. Yes, hopefully. You know, one person at a time, I think, you know, we can make a difference. There you go. It's like one step at a time. One person at a time. Oh, oh my. <laughs> Okay, the books. I found, through my search, I found five books. um, Well, an article by William McCants. He published it on December 15, 2015. And the title is Five Books You Should Read to Better Understand Islam. The first book is The Quran. A Very Short Introduction by Michael Cook. He is a British historian and scholar of Islamic history. In this book, Cook provides a lucid and direct account of the significance of the Quran, both in the modern world and in that of traditional Islam. He gives vivid accounts of its role in Muslim civilization, illustrates the diversity of interpretations, championed by traditional and modern commentators, discusses the processes by which the book took shape and compares it to other scriptures and classics of the historic cultures of Eurasia. He also wrote another book called titled Muhammad. It is Muslims believe that Muhammad was God's prophet, his messenger. Cook gives an incisive account of the man who inspired this faith, drawing on the traditional Muslim sources to describe Muhammad's life and teaching. He also attempts to stand back from his traditional picture to question how far it is historically justified. Another book is Misquoting Muhammad by Jonathan Brown. 
Jonathan Brown is Associate Professor of Islamic Studies and Muslim Christian Understanding in Georgetown University's School of Foreign Service. He is also the Editor-in-Chief of the Oxford Encyclopedia of Islam in Law. Wow. Yeah. About the book. Few things provoke controversy in the modern world like the religion brought by Muhammad. Modern media are replete with alarm over jihad, underage marriage, and the threat of amputation or stoning under Sharia law. Sometimes rumor, sometimes based in fact, and often misunderstood. The tenets of Islamic law and dogma were not set in the religion's founding moments. They were developed over centuries by the clerical class of Muslim scholars. Misquoting Muhammad takes the reader back in time through Islamic civilization and traces how and why such controversies, controversies developed, offering an inside view into how key and controversial aspects of Islam took shape. From the protests of the Arab Spring to Istanbul, at the fall of the Ottoman Empire, and from the ochre red walls of Delhi's great mosques to the trade routes of Islam's Indian Ocean world. Misquoting Muhammad lays out how Muslim intellectuals have sought to balance reason and revelation, weigh science and religion, and negotiate the eternal truths of scripture amid shifting values. You powered through that description, that's for sure. That's a long book description. I know. <laughs> but it's interesting, though. Another suggestion in this article was, um, it wasn't a specific book, it was just poems by um, Jala Ludin. Uh-huh, good luck with that name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Rummy. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Rummy was a 13th century Persian poet, jurist, Islamic scholar, theologian, and Sufi mystic. His dad owned his dad owned an Islamic school, which Rami inherited at age 25 when his dad died. Do you have any suggestions? You know I have suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> I found a few. <clears throat> Three of them came from Goodreads. Shout out to Goodreads. Goodreads. And one came from Amazon. The first three I'm going to read are from Goodreads. Um, the first one is called Pakistan, A Personal History. And it's by Imran Khan. Imran Khan was born just five years after Pakistan had actually become a country. So he basically got to grow with the country. Um, and the description of the book goes, Recounting his country's history through the prism of his own memories, Imran Khan starts from its foundation, ripped out of the dying British Raj. He guides us through and comments on subsequent historical developments which shook the Muslim world. The wars with India in 1965 and 1971, the Iranian Revolution of 1979, the Soviet invasion of, Afgan of Afghanistan, excuse me, the 9-11 terrorist attacks and America's retribution 10 years later with the assassination of bin Laden. Yes, 
to the current controversial and intractable war in Afghanistan. We see these events viewed not only through the eyes of Westerners, but through those of ordinary Pakistanis. Sounds like an interesting book to me. It does sound like it. I'd love to know what it was like to grow up in a country that was basically brand new since they broke out of the British rule and, you know, got going. A lot of these books that we've looked up, I want to read. I'm not really a nonfiction guy, but I kind of like these. The second book I found is called Disfigured, a Saudi woman's story of triumph over violence, and it's by Rania Albaz. For over six years, Rania Albaz was the smiling face of a family program on Saudi television. She was a young, beautiful Saudi TV news anchor, the first woman to have such a job, when her abusive husband beat her into a coma and left her for dead. She later underwent 13 operations to reconstruct her face. When she agreed to make horrifying pictures of her ravaged face public, her story sparked general criticism of Saudi culture. A month later, the first Saudi research into domestic violence began at King Saud University in Riyadh. Wow. Thirteen operations. Jeez. They say the pictures are still online, but I didn't look. I, I didn't... I couldn't do it. I think they, it would be tough to look at them. Yeah. But so. I mean, at least, you know... I but guess I, something good came out of it. It did. It, it brought the right attention, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know... Because women really don't have rights yeah. in Saudi Arabia. It's, it's rough. You know, but at least they're, they're trying. Yeah. They listen to her. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking up, that's what... Well, they had somebody on television who actually accepted the fact that they're a role model. You know, unlike yeah. America, who everybody's always trying to push it off. I'm like, I'm not a role model. Yes, you are. Everybody knows you. A lot of people follow you. You're a role model. My third one is called The Muslim Next Door. The Quran, the media, and that veil thing. And it's by Sambul Ali Karamali. That name was tough. (laughs) (laughs) He made it. (laughs) Um, This book was a bronze medal winner of the Independent Publishers Award in 2009. So when I saw that it won an award, I had to take a look deeper into it. Um, The description is, since 9-11... Stories about Muslims and the Islamic world have flooded headlines, politics, and water cooler conversations all across the country. And although Americans hear about Islam on a daily basis, there remains no clear explanation of Islam or its people. The Muslim Next Door offers easy to understand, yet academically sound answers to these questions while also dispelling commonly held misconceptions. Written from the point of view of an American Muslim, The book addresses what readers in the Western world are most curious about, beginning with the basics of Islam and how Muslims practice their religion before easing into more complicated issues like jihad, Islamic fundamentalism, and the status of women in Islam. Author Sambul Ali Karamali's vivid anecdotes about growing up Muslim and female in the West, along with her sensitive scholarly overview of Islam, combined for a uniquely insightful look at the world's fastest-growing religion. That sounds very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the most interesting one on my list, to be honest. <laughs> like it, you know, if it if it goes into, into answering questions that we all have, I think that's, that's really good. Right. And, you know, that's 
and like all three of these books are written by Muslims. Yeah, so it's like firsthand, right? Uh, accounts of what what their lives and what they went through and what all this meant to them. Precisely, my dear. Um, my fourth book. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the author. I found all this information on Amazon. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him before I tell you the title of the book because he's not Muslim. He's actually from America, but he has a PhD. So, you know, it kind of makes him qualified to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, his name is Richard Foltz, and he's a cultural historian specializing in the Iranian world. He has also worked as a musician, film critic, and travel writer. He holds a PhD from Harvard University and has taught at Brown, Columbia, and the University of Florida. He is currently professor of Iranian studies at Concordia University in Montreal, Canada. His work has appeared in over a dozen languages. So his, his stuff is everywhere. Um, and the book is called Animals in Islamic Traditions and Muslim Cultures. Um, the description is short, but it's this book, the first of its kind, surveys Islamic and Muslim attitudes towards animals and human responsibilities towards them through Islam's philosophy, literature, mysticism, and art. And while this book is about animals, it's, it's really about the Muslim culture. Like, because you can't understand why they treat animals a certain way without understanding them. And that's why I picked it, because... In America, do we really see animals as anything more than food or trophies or pets? We don't hold any animals sacred except for the bald eagle. True. You know, so, you know, in their culture, they hold animals sacred. You know, don't touch this animal because this animal does not deserve to be touched. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my list. Um, well, we found another article. It is called 10 Must Reads for Your I Want to Learn More About Islam, Friend. Hey, I'm your friend. <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to learn more, too. <laughs> well, yeah, you're my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, our first title from this list is Being Muslim. By Dr. Asad Tarsin. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for the name. We're not very good with the pronunciation of these <laughs> names because we're, like we, under, like we said in the beginning, we don't understand how everything works. So, <laughs> yes. you know, work with us here. <laughs> um, so, this book... The, the little description about it is, its purpose is to give readers practical and useful knowledge that can help them understand what it means to be Muslim. Whether you are completely new to the religion or need to brush up on some of the basics, being Muslim is an excellent guide to reconnect to the most essential aspects of Islam. The entire manual clearly explains the most fundamental aspects of the faith and assumes no background knowledge at all. The next title is Islam and the Destiny of Man by Guy Eaton. 
Guy Eaton lends his almost poetic writing style to explore the meaning of being a Muslim in a modern context. Raised as an agnostic and converting to Islam alongside his understanding of world religions, lends his book a depth of meaning that many can relate to. His book covers many topics including the differences between the three monotheistic faiths, the basis of a Muslim's faith, the significance of the Quran, the story of the Prophet Muhammad's life, destiny, the social structure of Islam, the role of art and mysticism, and the hereafter. That sounds quite interesting. Yeah. It's like everything you need to know about it. Yeah, but you know I'm I'm all about mysticism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Our next title is Muhammad, His Life Based on the Earliest Sources by Dr. Martin Lings. What better way to learn about Islam than by exploring the life of the man who brought its message to the world? This one is neatly organized into short chapters that chronologically cover significant events in the life of the Prophet. The next title is Muhammad, A Prophet for Our Time by Karen Armstrong. Hey, a name I could say. <laughs> <laughs> An alternative to Lean's book is the offering by Karen Armstrong, who writes from the perspective of a non-Muslim intellectual. Her book is a very accessible read and easy to get into. It also provides historical context to the life of the Prophet. Wilson shares her real-life story about how she came to convert to Islam, along with insights into Islamic practice and thoughts to stay with you long after you've read it. She writes with sensitivity and honesty about being a white American in Egypt, which enables the reader to view a largely Muslim country from beneath the common stereotypes. A part spiritual journey, part love story, that is more than just a memoir and definitely worth your time. I really want to read this one. Not only because it sounds wonderful, but for all those who like comic books, G. Willow Wilson is the author of Ms. Marvel with Kamala. And it's a wonderful comic. I love it. So that's why she made... <gasps> it all comes together. <laughs> it yes. It all comes together. Wow. Yes. Um, and, and Kamala in, in Ms. Marvel, she's um, Muslim. And it's just amazing. Like, she's like... I don't know. I guess she would be my role model if I was a little girl. Yeah. I love the comic. <laughs> wow. Yes. That puts a whole new meaning on Ms. Marvel for me. Mm-hmm. I'm touched. It's okay. <laughs> Another title from the article is Islam, Religion of Life by Abdul Wadad Shalabi. You okay? <laughs> I'm just going to try to read this edited part. Edited by Shaikh Abdal Hakim Murad. Ho ho! I did it! You did it! A brief and powerful introduction to all things Islam with a focus on the spiritual core of the religion. Dr. Abdul Wadad Shalabi combines his knowledge from traditional religious training at Al-Zhar? I think so. University and Western Education from the University of Cambridge, where he received his doctorate, to definitely handle the weight of communicating the essence of the religion in only 96 pages. 
Wow. 96 pages? That's that's the kind of book I want to read. (laughs) 96. I like that number. Um, The next pick is The Essential Quran and the Wisdom of the Prophet by Thomas Cleary. Thomas Cleary's books come highly recommended by most people who have read them and have also been recommended by Shaikh Hamza Yusuf in the past. (laughs) The Essential Quran is a great intro to the Quran with an easy-to-follow English translation. Keep in mind that it doesn't cover the whole Quran, but is a selection of the essential parts that convey the spirit of the Islamic faith. The Wisdom of the Prophet is an excellent collection of the sayings of the Prophet Muhammad, providing spiritual and everyday guidance. Translated by Cleary himself, the Hadith are made easy to comprehend, a concise book that conveys the spirit of Islamic teachings and practice as embodied by the Prophet. The next title is The Perfect Gentleman by Imran Ahmad. Another memoir that is more than just a memoir. Ahmad writes from the perspective of a born-into-Islam Muslim who grapples with all the questions that pretty much everyone has asked at some stage, such as, What does God do exactly? Do you automatically go to hell for following the wrong religion? Can you maintain a James Bond persona without the vodka, cigarettes, and women, even whilst your parents are trying to arrange your marriage? He serves up compelling analysis of serious issues in a deceptively simple way while being engaging, honest, and funny. Obviously. (laughs) Yeah, I I want to read this one. (laughs) Signs of the Horizon, Meetings with Men of Knowledge and Illumination by Michael Sugich. I like Sugich. (laughs) Ever wanted to learn more about the spiritual leaders of Islam? Sugich is book gives insights into the lives of some of the greatest contemporary Muslim spiritual masters by sharing anecdotes from his meetings with them. And it's how you can get a first-hand account is good. Yeah, I think so. The next title is Even Angels Ask, A Journey to Islam in America by Dr. Jeffrey Lang. Dr. Lane shares more than just his personal experiences of embracing Islam. He looks at various Islamic beliefs in depth and addresses fundamental questions that many Muslims and non-Muslims have about the faith. And here's one just to shake things up a bit. A collection of wise words, funny stories, and inspiring quotes for whenever you need a boost of positivity. It's Not Easy Being Green by Jim Henson. It's probably really not easy being green. It probably isn't. Yay! (laughs) But I like purple. Well, you can like purple. It's okay. But, okay. It's still not easy being green. True. (laughs) (laughs) And these conclude our list of books you would, you know, should read if you want to learn more about Islam and Muslims. Muslims Just being, you know, different. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to learn about other people and what they're all about. And if you're green, don't be afraid to step out into the, into the sun, you know? People, it's fine. A lot of people like the color green also. Yeah. 
<laughs> and this is my closing statement. It's a passage from a website called 30factsaboutislam.com. Terrorism, unjustified violence, and the killing of non-combatant civilians, and even intimidating, threatening, or injuring them, are all absolutely forbidden in Islam. Islam is a way of life that is meant to bring peace to a society, whether its people are Muslim or not. The extreme actions of those who claim to be Muslim may be a result of their ignorance, frustration, uncontrolled anger, or political, not religious, ambitions. Anyone who condones or commits an act of terrorism in the name of Islam is simply not following Islam and is, in fact, violating its very tenets. These people are individuals with their own personal views and agendas. Fanatical Muslims are no more representative of the true teachings of Islam than fanatical Christians are of the true teachings of Christianity, or fanatical Jews are of the true teaching of Judaism. The most prominent examples of such religious fanatics are Anders Bering Breivik, the 2011 Norwegian terrorist who claimed in his manifesto to be 100% Christian, and Baruch Goldstein, perpetrator of the 1994 Hebron massacre who is considered by some Jews to be a hero and a saint. Extremism and fanaticism are problems not exclusive to Muslims. Anyone who thinks that all Muslims are terrorists should note that terror groups like ISIS or ISIL, Al-Qaeda, and Boko Haram kill Muslims as well. Yep, they do. I will end this with a quote from Jim Henson. From the book, It's Not Easy Being Green and Other Things to Consider, he says, I know that it's easier to portray a world that's filled with cynicism and anger, where problems are solved with violence. What's a whole lot tougher is to offer alternatives, to present other ways conflicts can be resolved, and to show that you can have a positive impact on your world. To do that, you have to put yourself out on a limb, take chances, and run the risk of being called a do-gooder. And today's life hack is to remove a splinter, apply a paste of baking soda and water, then wait several minutes. The splinter should pop right out of the skin. Life hacks! <laughs> So remember that if you need any links to our sources or um, book titles, visit our website, bookishimpulses.com, and click on the podcast button, and you can find the notes there. And she said she's going to do it, so... I will do it. (laughs) (laughs) And as always... Keep calm. And read on.